In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He who trusts the Lord, let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you sent your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross. Mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his great humility and patience and be be made partakers of his resurrection through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament lesson for this day, Palmarum, 
Palm Sunday is written in the ninth chapter of the prophet Zechariah, beginning at the ninth verse. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Rejoice aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted upon a donkey, a colt. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return, O stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Truly God is good to Israel and to those who are pure in heart. The epistle lesson is written in the, se- in the second chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, beginning at the fifth verse. Have this mind in yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking upon himself the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death upon a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Holy Gospel is written in the 21st chapter of St. Matthew, beginning at the first verse. Praise be to you, O Christ. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them to me at once. This took place to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Saying to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted upon a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him 
and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life to the world to come. Amen. Redeemer 
the lips of children made sweeter sadness ring to thee before thy passion they sang their hymns of praise to thee now high exalted our melody we raise all glory lord and honor to the redeemer king to whom the lips of children made sweet hosannas ring thou didst accept their praises accept the prayers we bring who in all good and lightest thou good and gracious king amen In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shadrach Bond was an enigma. On the frontier where men were rough and coarse, dirty and illiterate, he stood out like a beacon. He was tall and handsome and very blonde, almost white-haired, Though George Rogers Clark did not know for sure, he suspected that Bond's age was probably somewhere around 40. He was always refined, always behaved like a gentleman, the result of a birth at good station in England. He managed somehow always to keep clean and well-dressed, and he would have been an attraction at any East Coast colonial ball during the Revolutionary period. But his desire for adventure and his flair for danger kept him on the frontier. He had spent a short time in the army as a lieutenant, but tiring of military routine, he drifted to Kentucky and and visited his old companion in arms, George Rogers Clark. And for all his gentle airs and for all his thin and all his um, gentle airs and his his, uh, good nature, quiet nature, It was all concealed, and for all his gentle airs and quiet nature, he was a deadly shot, both with his rifle and with the thin-bladed knife he concealed under his arm, as several men, both red and white, learned permanently. In other words, appearances are deceiving. Who do you meet? Who are you seeing? What are you seeing? Do we really know? And do the crowds of Jerusalem, the great multitude of Jerusalem, do they really understand who they are seeing riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, on the colt of a donkey, the foal, the colt of a donkey? I mean, do they really understand who is on that donkey? I mean, do those who went before and those who followed out crying, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, do they really understand who they're praising? Do they really understand who it is they're welcoming? 
I wonder. Because you see the next verse, verse 21, Matthew 21, verse 10, we read, And when he came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Who is it? Well, who is it? And haven't we been asking that question ever since as humanity? Haven't we as humanity ever since, I mean, don't we even we ourselves ask this question of really, who is Jesus? Who is he really? And how does that relate to us? And to begin this analysis, I think it behooves us to observe the people in today's lesson and what they say and what they do. And what they do and what they say, right? For the first thing that we observe is how some of them led Jesus, they, came, they went in front of Jesus, and some followed after him. And isn't this really how it goes in theology and it goes in, in, in the walk of faith, that some of us lead God because we think that God is following us, that God is going to do what we want him to do. And then we find out later to our chagrin that he doesn't do what we want him to do, that we're to do what he wants us to do. And then all others of us, we follow Jesus. We get behind God, right? We follow God, but we follow him how? We follow him conditionally, don't we? As long as, God, you give me the things I want, as long as things work out the way I want them to work out, then I will follow you. I follow you conditionally, right? And what also stands out is that just the number of people that come to this, to this welcoming on Palm Sunday. It's the amount of people. We're told that the, that the multitude is very great. It is, you know, is very great multitude. It's not, a great, it's not just a multitude, but a very great multitude. The sense here is almost that this, this is like everyone in Jerusalem. They all come down. They all come down and they're all praising Jesus and they're all welcoming and they all want him there. Which I also find very interesting because it seems to me when I look around the world that the biggest churches are the ones where the, the, they welcome the people with the promises of wealth and health and happiness. That if you just follow Jesus, he's going to make you rich and he's going to give you the things you want and your life is going to work out the way you want it to work out. I wonder what those preachers are preaching now, now that our country faces uncertainties. The third thing they do, which I think is also very intriguing, is they place their clothes on the road. They're actually putting clothing, and clothing was a much more dear thing in the ancient world than it is today. It's much more difficult to create, uh, to, you know, to create fabrics and, and clothing in the ancient world because you had to make it by hand. And they're taking this pr- these precious pieces of clothing and they're laying them on the floor, on the on the dirty, you know, dung-filled road so that the donkeys can walk over them. I mean, what is that all about? And I think what that is. It is they're acknowledging Jesus as their king by doing this because we read in 2 Kings 9.13 how then each man hastened to take his garments and he put them under him on the top of the steps 
and they blew trumpets saying, Jehu is king. So Jehu, who took over the kingship of Israel, he walked on the garments of those who submitted to his authority. And so the people here, really, this is, they're, saying, they're, they're saying Jesus is now their king. This is coronation language. And then this, the next thing that the great multitude does, besides saying that Jesus is their legitimate king, is that they begin to cut down branches and put branches also on the road, which also is very interesting because it's the opposite of putting your clothes on the road. The clothes on the road say that Jesus is king, The branches on the road are a religious symbol, a religious action. In one, they acknowledge Jesus as king. In the other, they're acknowledging Jesus as their priest. And we already know that Jesus has been proclaimed a prophet. So in the Palm Sunday actions, Jesus the prophet is also being proclaimed king and priest. Prophet, priest, and king. And then there's the words that come out of their mouth, because from the depths of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so the, what do the crowds say? Well, they say, Hosanna, son of David, and then Hosanna in the highest. Note, Hosanna, son of David, and Hosanna in the highest. They say those two things. And, and I find this very interesting, because Hosanna, or Hosiana, is a Hebrew phrase that's just transliterated into Greek. Hosiana are, are actually... Two different Hebrew words, hosi and ana, meaning save us, pray, or save us, we pray, the we's implied, save us, we pray, or save us now, right now. It, it, it is a, it, it's a phrase of immediacy. They want salvation right now. And isn't this how we feel, especially in times of danger, stress, Economic, political, military uncertainty. We want salvation now. We want, the, we want someone to save us. Especially when our state, local, and federal governments are telling us to stay at home and, and we don't know what the future will be for our jobs or our houses or anything that we have. We want a savior. We want deliverance. We want it now. Not later. Now is when we need it. And so it would be fair to say that these people, this great, very great multitude of people, when they're crying out to Jesus, they are crying out in desperation because their world is an uncertain world where people's lives are short, where they're under political and military occupation, where the economy is always, always hanging by a thread of uncertainty. Yes, they need Hosiana. They need it now. They want it now. But that does beg the question, doesn't it? What kind of Hosianna do they want? And what kind of salvation or Hosianna do they need? Because those two things, when it comes to God, are different. What we want and what Jesus knows we need are two different things. They are, they're two different things. And, and we see something here in what they're asking for because the attitude of the, of the crowds are understood even better when we look at the third thing that comes out of their mouth, which is when they say, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is sort of sandwiched between the Hosianas. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? And this word for blessed, this eulogao, carries the idea of praise as well as blessings. And I think that's the key. It's the word praise. We will bless you with our praise, Jesus, if you will give us what we want. Because you see, human praise is always a fickle thing. We see this all the time. You see it in politics. You see, you see it in sports. I mean, consider it. We're in Alabama, the SEC. In SEC sports, you see this all the time. Where people will praise their team and praise their coaches and praise their school as long as they're providing the wins and the victories that they desire. As soon as that stops, the praise is withdrawn and the vitriol flows freely. Yes, the multitude's praise is so very fickle. And we see this with Jesus because on, on Palm Sunday, they praise him. They cry out to him. They welcome him. And by Good Friday, that praise turns to hatred. It turns to condemnation. The cheers become, become jeers. The cheering becomes jeering. They want him as a deliverer. When he doesn't deliver the deliverance they think they want, they want to deliver him to the executioners. It's true. It's true. And the truly concerning thing, I think, is if we, are we any different? I wonder if I'm any different. I mean, don't we want what we want from God, and if he won't give it to us, well. I mean, it's amazing that on Good Friday, Pontius Pilate will ask the multitude, probably the same multitude as welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem, if they would like to have him release to them, Jesus, the one who heals their sick and drives out their demons and raises their dead, or if they want him to release Barabbas, a murderer. And what do they say? They just as energetically cry out on Good Friday as they did on Palm Sunday, give us Barabbas, give us the murderer, in other words. And then Jesus says to them, well, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And what do they do? They scream out, crucify him. Yeah, they do. They crucify him. Yes, the multitude's choice of Barabbas over Jesus alerts us to the kind of Messiah Jerusalem's multitudes evidently will praise and reward with their loyalty. And that is not the true Messiah. At least on the true Good Friday, they wanted a worldly savior, a redeemer, a goyel of blood who would avenge their real and imagined wrongs upon their real and imagined enemies. They want a hammer against their enemies. And when I look at my own life, as I'm sure we almost look at our own lives, I wonder again if I and we are that different. Because like the Jerusalem multitude, is it not true that we 
fail to realize that our greatest enemy is not, without, not outside of ourselves, but our greatest enemy is right here in our hearts and in our minds. This is our real enemy. My neighbor is not my enemy. My government is not my enemy. Even the devil really isn't my enemy. I am my enemy. I am my enemy. I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to hear what the other people say. I don't have to give in to the devil's temptations. I choose that. I choose to sin. I choose my rebellion. I am my enemy. And the scriptures tell us this. They do. The, the scriptures show us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not one that does right. No, not one. And the soul that sins shall die. Yes. My enemy is inside of myself. And Jerusalem's praise turns to rage because they refuse to see this. They don't want to. I mean, who would want to? We don't want to. We don't want to see this. But it's the truth. It's the truth. But it's not what we want to believe. Because deep down inside, we know. We know it's true. Don't we? We know it. Because even though Jesus, and, and, and what's amazing here is that even though Jesus knows this, even though he knows their Palm Sunday praises are, are primarily misdirected, yet Jesus is okay with it. He, he allows it to occur. Why? Why? Because he understands that their cries for earthly salvation, their prayers for earthly salvation are not actually completely misplaced. No, we, we need earthly salvation. We need for God to give us this day our daily bread. We need this. And, and that's the reason why when Jesus teaches us to pray back in the early part of Matthew, he says, when you pray, pray this, give us this day our daily bread. And God gives us this day our daily bread. He proves it in the Exodus where he gave, you know, more than um, probably a million Israelites daily bread and, wa- and water and, and meat to eat for 40 years. Now God will give us this day our daily bread. That's something that we not, must not worry about, especially in this time of uncertainty. But God comes to us mounted upon a donkey on the colt, the fold of a donkey, to give us so much more, so much more than mere daily bread. And what does he come to bring us? Well, Jesus comes to bring us what our eyes cannot perceive, what our intellects cannot guess at. Because eye has not seen nor ear has heard what God has prepared in heaven for those who love him. No. No, Jesus comes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday because he is wanting to go to Good Friday. He comes into Jerusalem to die. And the people's praises are misplaced, surely, but they are not wrong. He is coming to bring them Hosanna, salvation. Salvation in the highest which is why he receives our misguided Palm Sunday praises and doesn't condemn our misguided Good Friday condemnations. No, no. He doesn't because he came to die. And he doesn't condemn us because, you see, these anonymous multitude, multitudes 
are anonymous because if we look closely at the crowds of Palm Sunday, and if we look closely at the crowds of Good Friday, you'll see in that crowd your own face staring back at you. Because you see, in the Palm Sunday multitudes and in the multitudes of Good Friday, we were there. We were there. We were there in our sins, asking God to give us those things which we don't need. And we there were condemning Jesus for not giving us the things that we thought we wanted. But it's okay. Because you see, as Jesus hung upon that cross, he looked up to heaven and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we do not. We do not know what we do. We do not know what to pray for, as the apostle says in Romans eight twenty six. Because why? We are all like sheep. We have all, we've all gone astray. Yet we have a good shepherd who lays down his life for us. And that good shepherd tells us, he says, because I live, you shall live also. And we do. We do. We live forever with him in heaven. Therefore, let us this holy week gaze beyond the turmoils of this present darkness. And let us, rather than focusing on the things that are so frightening to us, let us instead fix our eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And if we do that, then like St. Peter, we will walk across the water of this world's storms. In the name of Jesus, amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace that is from above, and for the well-being of the churches of Christ, and for the godly unity of all Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for our teachers and pastors and all people, let us pray to the Lord, Lord of mercy. For our nation and all our people, for Donald Trump, our president, for the Congress of the United States, for Kay Ivey, the governor of Alabama, for our legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord, Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, 
for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all that when our last hour shall come we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith the consolation of a right devout and holy hope and in the communion of Christ's holy church let us pray to the Lord Lord have mercy recalling those who've gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Almighty and everlasting God, the eternal salvation of them that believe, hear our prayers on behalf of all thy servants who are sick. Especially we pray for those who have become infected with the COVID-19 and those who are struggling under, that, under it, those who are struggling to, to take care of such people and those who live in fear. We pray that you would drive away our fear, that you would heal those who are sick and keep safe those who serve. We ask this through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Have compassion, O Lord, upon all who mourn, upon all who are lonely and desolate. Be thou their comfort and friend. And give unto them such earthly solace as thou seekest to be best for them, and drive away all their tears, and bring them to a fuller knowledge of thy love. For the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee his peace. Amen.